Hope everyone's doing well. Welcome to the Magia Mindset. Today's guest has played professionally at the highest level for teams such as New England Revolution, Chicago Fire, and the Colorado Rapids. He has currently launched his own company called Soccer Resilience. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome our guest, Wells Thompson. Roll the intro. Wells, thank you so much for uh, putting in the time. I know your schedule is very busy during, um, especially 2020, with the crazy year we've been having. But again, appreciate you putting in the time to coming in on our um, podcast as well as talking about the beautiful game. No, man, blessing to be here. I will always make time for you, Sean, even though I'm just meeting you for the first time, brother. Um, it's, a, it's a joy to be here, brother. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. I want to kind of touch base on um, your journey, your journey first as an athlete. Um, what got you into this game? Yeah. Um, and what made you kind of continue it and make it a career for yourself as a professional player? Yeah, man, that's a long story. Um, I, I was, uh, I have an older brother who's like a year and a half older than me. I actually attribute a lot of my success to him because, you know, the, a lot of lessons I learned in the backyard, uh, getting beat, I never beat him, you know, but I learned how to get back up again. I learned how to persevere. So I owe, I owe a lot of my success to him. He was a great athlete. And so I just kind of followed in his footsteps when we were young. You know, I feel like every kid kind of starts off playing soccer, you know, so four or five years old, I was playing soccer. Um, you know, and then, but I, I ended up playing everything. So baseball, basketball, even grew up playing ice hockey here in North Carolina, which a lot of people are shocked about Played golf, a little bit of tennis. Like I just love to play, right. I love to play sports. I was naturally gifted. Um, but you know, obviously the older you get, the more kind of time becomes a factor and you have to, you have to like kick some things to the wayside. And so I always stuck to soccer. I think soccer was what I was most naturally gifted at and was most passionate for. Um, the other one was baseball, but my dad said baseball was too slow for me. And so I, ended, I just ended up kind of staying with soccer. I love the game. I love to compete. And so, um, yeah, man, kind of played club soccer here in North Carolina for the Twins, um, traveled around, did all that. Like I have little kids now, and I'm just getting them into sports. And I'm like, holy cow, my, I'm j like, I'm just realizing a little bit, like getting a, getting a, glimpse into how much time my parents spent driving me all over the state and the country to play soccer man it's incredible thank god i have great parents um and so but you know i, I i'm a middle child I, I don't like stereotypes but like you know i was a, a rebellious kid a mischievous kid and so i really started experimenting with things at a young age and i just wanted to grow up too quick so I started smoking and drinking and, and eventually got into drugs. And um, so by the time I was 16 years old, I was literally going to kill myself by, uh -huh. by, by my lifestyle, not suicide, but by my lifestyle, or I was going to end up in jail for a long time because of the decisions I was making. And so I'm super thankful and going back to my parents, like I'm so thankful my parents have the resources and could give me the opportunity to kind of step in and save my life. And so 
I wasn't living at home. I was living with my, one of my best friends and, and, uh, he lived with his, his grandma in a two store townhome. And so I lived upstairs. She didn't even know I was there. Uh, my parents tricked me to come home one night and I just turned 16 and they said, if you come home, we'll take you to get your license the next day. And so I was like, awesome. This is all I'm gonna go get my license. Why? You're not, not even connecting the dots. I like, this is a, this is a setup. So uh, I go home in the middle of the night. My dad comes in and he says, we love you, son. You're going to go away for a little while. And I was like, you know, probably like F off dad, get out of my room. I was, I was a disrespectful punk. Like just, wow. I was like, lost it. Right. And so next thing I know, two big guys came in. I'd never seen in my life. They, they, uh, they handcuffed me because I didn't go willingly. And they put me in the back of a back of a black Tahoe and drove me 12 hours into the middle of the Catskill mountains. Um, so I call it dumbass school. It's a school for troubled kids, kids that just kind of got off track. And so I spent a year and a half there. I didn't like any day that I was there, but as I look back now, um, it's one of the greatest things that's ever happened to me. And so all that to say, that's part of my story because, um, and interestingly enough, my mom said the straw that broke the camel's back, which, um, which, um, pushed her to to hire these guys to pick me up was when I told her I didn't want to play soccer anymore. So like all these bad things were vying for my tension and for my soul and for my spirit. And like, um, and, and the thing that I love the most, like a good thing, soccer, uh, was just getting pushed out. And so, um, you know, needless to say, people weren't recruiting up at this school that I was at and my parents knew that I wanted to play college soccer. So they took me out when I was 18 I spent a year and a half up there and I came home, I did two senior years, uh, just so I could get, get some more, like I wasn't mature enough to go to college. And so I could, you know, hopefully get recruited to, to play college soccer. Well, I grew up like three minutes from Wake Forest University. So like pretty renowned soccer school. Right. And, uh, I knew the coaches and those sorts of things. And I had some, some offers from some smaller schools, uh, but Bobby Muse, uh, so Jay Vidovich was the head coach there. Bobby Muse was assistant. Paul Forrester was there as well. And they just loved me. They treated me really, really well. And they convinced me to come to Wake. And so basically, I was a recruited walk-on. Um, I didn't have a scholarship. And so if you know anything about college soccer, you know, Wake's great, right? And so they're, they're, getting, they're getting U.S. captains of the U.S. youth national team. They're get, getting kids from overseas. They're getting the Gatorade National Player of the Years. And I was just a local kid, kind of a scrub that they, they told me when I got drafted. So I got drafted in 2007 in the first round. They told me they thought I would never play when I was at Wake Forest. And so I'm like, gee, thanks for the confidence guys. You know, like <laughs> I was just kind of an, always an underdog kid. Like I, I, I thrived as in, in that scenario. Like when people doubted me, I worked hard and um, you know, as a kid, just backtracking a little bit, I tried out for the Olympic development team for years, North Carolina ODP, and I never made it, but I kept trying out. And so it sucked at the time. But when I got to Wake and now that I'm a little bit older and I reflect on my career, I see how like all those setbacks and so like air quote, so-called so-called failures actually enabled me to succeed the older I got. So you talk about mindset, man, like I, I you know, I don't think I was consciously making those decisions like um, and maybe I was the older I got, but like I, I'd been there before. I knew what it was like to fail. I knew it was like to get up again. And so going back to my brother in the backyard, like literally every day of my life, we come home from school, we go play basketball or, or ping pong or pool. Um, so if we're playing basketball outside, he beat me. I chucked the basketball at him because I hate to freaking lose. And then he beat me up. And then we do the same thing over and over again, right? 
And so I see that as like just training for me to have kind of that. Um, I just love to compete, man. And I hated to, I hated to lose. And so, you, you know, if you, if you watch me play soccer, you could see that, but, um, so yeah, I went to wake, man, had a, started playing as a, as a freshman a little bit, started playing, uh, played a little bit as a freshman, sophomore, but I really kind of excelled and kind of, I took my career, took my game to the next level going into my junior year and, uh, had a great junior and senior year. Wasn't sure if I was going to get drafted again. Uh, I played with a lot of, you know, two, three time all Americans. I wasn't an all American, wasn't an all state team. Uh, I mean, it wasn't an all conference team. Um, but, uh, the new England revolution just liked me, man. And so I was drafted fifth overall in 2007 and dreams come true, you know? So going from like really going from the underdog to like, uh, now I'm the top dog kind of thing. And so ended up playing with new England for three years, Colorado for three years, a little close to three years, then Chicago, uh, fire. And then for a little over a year and then played two years in North Carolina and, and like, the USL. So played a year for Charlotte Eagles and a year for, um, the Carolina Redhawks. Well, I mean, it doesn't get more fascinating than that kind of story. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I really, you know, these are the things because now it's relatable. Now it's relatable to a lot of kids, especially in today's generation where, um, during the certain ages, you're trying to search for yourself. You you want to yeah. know what is your identity? What is your love? What are you passionate about? What do you want to do in life? You know, those are the times that we're, we're trying to latch on to the, to the friends. We want to be accepted. We want to be in a crowd. We want to feel appreciated. And um, I believe you touched on very, 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 very key points on you know, the route you took off the field, as well as the route you took on the field, both very difficult moments, both moments where it gave you a lot of setbacks, a lot of failures, and it kind of made you who you are today, a stronger person, a stronger player. I want to now dive into that mindset. And I want to really go into it deeper. Because my personal opinion, um, I know, like, talent 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 you need talent but i think the real real reason you make it a career is the mental side it's the mindset it's how driven you are it's how mentally tough you are and whatever they tell you they want to break you they want you to quit a lot of people at the highest level they don't want you to succeed you know unless it's in your own circle because it's competitive they don't want you to take what they have you know, because yeah. you're kind of competing. It's a very, it's a very difficult kind of competition in that hole. I want to go into what are the characteristics? What are the, is it, is it made or can you develop it? Is it genetic or can you grow upon time with it? Okay. And what yeah. are the, what are the areas that we got to mentally grasp to continue and make it not just a one-year thing, but a career at the highest level. Yeah, I mean, just a couple of things that you hit on. I'm very open with my story and my life. And, uh, you know, it's we live in a social media day and age where everyone's kind of, you know, touting what they have and what they've done. You know, they say, like, narcissism has increased, like, 75%, whatever it is. You know, I've found, and, and I, I'm a screwed-up individual, Sean, and I've got a lot of issues, man. My wife will tell you. I've got a lot of issues, right? 
Uh, I try to live right and I try to make the right decisions, but man, I'm still screwed up. But people don't identify to winning an MLS Cup. Like I won an MLS Cup, I won a U.S. Open Cup, right? Scored the game winning goal in U.S. Open Cup. I drafted fifth overall. Like people don't identify to that really, right? Like so, if if I get on here and just say like all the good things, it, it makes it unrealistic for our audience or whoever's listening to be like, "Well, that guy's got it all together, man." Like, no, I don't. And so, I, you know, I found that the more that I talk about how screwed up I am or my weaknesses or you know my failures, and Sean, like, so faith. I love Jesus, man. Faith is a huge part of my life. I literally, man, I've done everything in my life to screw it up. Like I look back on my life and I'm like, how did you get there, man? And so, um, yes, man, I did have to make decisions to, um, to work hard and to sacrifice. Um, but every time I tell my story, Sean, I'm like, dude, you are such an idiot who lives their life to like, I literally live my life to be the kid, to be known as the kid who got screwed up the most or like who drank the most or who did the most drugs, you know? And I'm like, man, what an idiot. Like, and so, uh, but I know that that's real. And, and, and you talk about like the pressures of fitting in, trying to figure out who we are. And man, I think that's a, that's an ongoing journey. Right. And uh, it's definitely harder at that age. Like I don't think God gives us uh, too much help because our brains aren't necessarily developed then. Um, and then you go to like, you talked about identity, which is something I'm super passionate about because um, you know, my identity, my whole life was Wells Thompson, the soccer player. So when that is not there anymore, when soccer is not there anymore, well, who am I? I have no freaking clue, man. Like, you know, nobody's introducing me as Wells Thompson, the soccer player anymore. Like people aren't, people aren't reaching out to me. So who am I? So it's, I think it's, and this goes into the mindset of things. Like it's really, really important. Um, the story that we tell ourselves um, I think that society perpetuates this problem um, with athletes and it can be, it can, it can get easy to fall victim to, Hey, I'm just a soccer player. That's all I ever am. Uh, you know, I'm not good at school. I'm just a soccer player. People don't care about me if I play good in soccer and that's not true. And so I don't think, I don't think um, other people mean to perpetuate that problem. I just think it kind of happens. Um, but yeah, man, the, the, going back to your question was what's the mindset, right? I just got off of the, do you know who Steve Ralston is? Yeah. I just got off a, a podcast or a, an interview with Steve Ralston for my podcast, the shift podcast. Um, Steve didn't uh, start uh, his senior in high school. So this is to me, in my opinion, this is one of the greatest players to ever play for America. And he didn't start for his high school high school team as a senior. Then he went to a junior college and then he went to, I think FIU or something like that. And then he just crushed it as a pro. And so you talk about, is it, is it, um, is it, is it, uh, can you, can you develop it? Can you learn it? Or is it just natural? You know, I think that we're all wired a certain way. Like LeBron James is geared to play basketball, right? Um, so he's, it's going to be a little bit easier for him to learn, right? Because he's got those, those skills, but you know, and, um, grit, I think it's Angela Duck, Duckworth talks about like, you know, um, natural ability counts for like 30% and then the rest is 70%, um, is learned and developed. And so, um, just to give you an tangible example, I'm seeing this with my sons right now playing sports, like, my son um, it, c couldn't catch a baseball two weeks ago. 
And now he's catching every single baseball that's thrown to him. As a matter of fact, it wasn't that he just couldn't catch it. He was scared to death of it. Anytime he threw a baseball near him, he would like throw his glove up and, and step back and, and that sort of thing. I think that I know I'm bouncing all over the place here, Sean. Uh, m- my point here is it can be learned. It's about um, having a growth mindset. And that's, and that's a mindset that says um, I can learn basically anything I want right? It's just a matter of how bad do I want to learn it, right? I want to learn, if I want to learn French, I can learn French, man. Like that, I can do that, but do I want to commit my time to doing it? And so it's really easy to, to see people and to, to um, you know, to think that there's people always ask me, how do I be a, become a pro athlete? Like there's a million ways to become a pro athlete, but we as human beings want that tried and true way. Like, Oh, you got to play for this club. You got to make this team. You got to play for this college. And I'm like, no, you don't. I just talked to Steve Rostin. He didn't start for his high school senior team. He went to a community college before he went to college, right? And so it's, uh, there is no one tried or true way, man. Um, you know, it's, again, back to your question. You can, you can learn it, man. Um, there is a, there is some element of, of natural gifting and talent, but, at the end of the day, you know, practice makes progress. So the more you practice, the better you're going to get. If I can talk about the mental side of the moments you went through on the outside, off the field, as well as on the field, what was it that made you continue soccer? What, what, what made you not go through that path and you're like, you know what? if you had to reflect back now, you're like, these characteristics made me the professional player I am. I just didn't like quitting anything I started or I had, I had this vision of proving people that that's not who I'm going to be reflected as off the field. This is, who, this is what made me, because in the end, we can say, we destroyed everything at that time, whatever we did, but in the end, you made it as a professional at the highest level in America, okay? And that's not an easy thing. So during the time, let's say that it was the most difficult moment, if we can talk about that, what was it that got you out of it individually? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it was all me. You know, I'm kidding. That's a huge (laughs) joke, by the way. Um, You know, it's very tempting to to, to come off as though like I I made it, I made it as a pro athlete. And, uh, man, again, going back to what I said in the very beginning of the podcast, I have a freaking phenomenal family. Like my parents, they stuck, they stuck with me, man. They believed in me. They never gave up on me. And they, uh, I mean, I, I was a jerk, man, big jerk, you know? Um, but my parents, like my dad knew I had ability but he never, he never, he never, he pushed me because I think that parents should push their kids because it's like a coach pushing their players, right? Like I, I, I want my son to become all that I know he can be and more, right? And he doesn't know that yet. So it's my part as a dad or as a coach to kind of help him see that, right? And to push him to go towards that. Um, but my dad, like he loved me regardless of how well I played. And so um, when I came off the field, it wasn't, man, you suck today. Or like, God, you're so you're in trouble. You're cause you, you didn't play well. And I played with some kids that were really, really good. And I saw their parents do that to them. 
right? And so, uh, you know, my, my assumption is that that probably hindered their development or growth a little bit some way, right? Or, or, or their love for the game. And so maybe they started to, to teeter out. Um, but my, my parents, um, they just, they loved me regardless of how, how well I played. They, they provided me with opportunities to play. Um, you know, and they were willing to kind of sacrifice their lives to allow me to do that. Me and my brother and my younger sister to, to kind of chase our dreams. And so, um, and then it goes to, look, I've got great coaches. Like my, one of my first coaches, Gerald York, I don't know how long I played for him for a long time, but like, he was a great coach. And then you have like my club coaches, like Kevin Rice. And then you go to like college, Jay Vidovich, like, and so this is me and Jay actually didn't really get along that well. I'm not sure he even wanted me to go to Wake. <laughs> I think it was more so Bobby. I love Jay and respect Jay now. Like I hugged Jay a couple of years ago and was like, thank you so much for putting up with me because I'm a punk. And I, I'm a, such, I was such a punk then. Um, but one of the greatest coaches to ever coach the game, Jay Vidovich, and then Bobby Muse, and then uh, Paul Forrester and Jason O'Keefe. Like I, I had some really great coaches that believed in me. And so that's one thing that Bobby – and Bobby comes to mind because I think it was just, it, it was such a pivotal time in my life because here I am coming back from the school up in New York. I don't have many people recruiting me. I do have some offers, but like Bobby came after me and I felt like a prized possession of Bobby. Even though I was a walk-on, man, he made me feel loved. Like he sent me things. He, he called me and like, I was like, that that's who I want to be with. I want to be with someone who appreciates me and loves me and wants me at their program. And so, and then you go like as a pro, I had some really great coaches and then you go to teammates. Like I had some really great teammates. Right. But then you go to like wider community. Like I've, I've had a lot of really, really great mentors and people that have like spoken into my life and lifted me up and encouraged me and come alongside me and lifted me up when I'm down. And, you know, I think part of it is now that I'm, past my career, I've been able to reflect a lot on my career. Right. Um, so, you know, you ask, what is it? I'm not sure, man. I think that God had a plan for me. Mm. And, uh, like, you know, again, going back to the question, was it take to be a pro athlete? It takes a mix of a combination of a, a bunch of different things. There's luck, there's good fortune. There's like no injuries. There's like people seeing you at the right time. Um, I just made this connection the other day. So when I went to wake, I was a center midfielder my whole life. When I went to Wake, they put me out wide, and I hated it. For mm. two years, I fought it. Mm. Two and so part of my revelation of seeing my, my, my game progress uh, astronomically as a junior was I remember making a conscious decision myself at the end of my sophomore year that I was going to accept playing outside midfield. I was going to accept it. And as soon as I accepted it, I excelled. And do you know I was drafted by the Revolution because they needed an outside midfielder? They actually drafted Ryan Solly, who was my teammate at Wake, one of my best friends, who was a two-time All-American, as a center midfielder um, in a later round to New England. And he just didn't get a shot because they had, they had Shaori Joseph, they had Andy Dorman, they had Jeff Lorenowitz, they had like all these guys. And so like I, I see that divine providence of like, Hey man, it just lines up. Right. And so look, you go back to how do you make it? Wells, I was caught cheating at wake my, my freshman year. Mm -hmm. And so I was kicked out for a semester and, uh, but I lied. I had to go to an honor board council meeting. 
I ended up lying on the honor board council meeting. So when, so backtrack a little bit, Sean, uh, tell me if you can't follow me, but so I was caught cheating. I went to the, the, the athletic guy and director. And I said, look, I got caught cheating. And he asked me how many papers you get caught cheating on. I got caught cheating on one, but I cheated on three papers. And I told him that. Well, when I went to the honor board meeting, the, the head guy wasn't at the meeting. He just happened to be out of town. And so in that meeting, I only told him I cheated on one. And so he came back and he listened to the recording from that. And he recognized that I lied, which would have been the second honor code violation, which I should have been expelled from school. Wow. And he told my coach, I, he said, I, and I don't know why he showed me grace, but he said, I, I know what Wells did. And I'm not going to tell anybody. And so, yeah, right, bro. I'm like, how does that happen? Why does it happen to me? I don't know. But like, so I can't sit here and say, man, I'm, I did it. I, I did it. I made it as a pro. And yes, like, so I'll get back to a little bit of like what made me a competitor. Um, but like, if I don't have all those other things, I don't make it. And so there's a lot, a lot of really talented people, a lot, a lot of really talented uh, college soccer players that never make it pro. And are they good enough? Yeah, a lot of them are. They just don't get the shot. They're just not seen by the right guy, whatever it is, right? And so that's important to keep in perspective. For me, on the field, again, I was a competitor, man. Like, if I was going to go up against you, it's like that. You, the quote that comes to mind is the Will Smith quote. If me and you are going to get on a treadmill, I'm, you're going to fall off before I am, right? Like, I'm just going to kick your ass. And that was my mentality. Like I, I, I was an underdog. I was undersized as a kid. So I, was, I, I, I developed late. And so I was short and kind of a little bit stubby, but which I thought helped me as a soccer player a little bit. Um, but I just, uh, I just took it personal when I went out there and I was emotional and I, uh, I competed and everything mattered to me. You know, my wife kids me now, like everything's a competition to you. Wells, And I'm like, no, it's not. And uh, it's almost like I can't even see it, but it is like I compete on everything and I'm learning to, to, to kind of um, kind of tailor that back a little bit. And you saw throughout my career, like I actually really struggle with my emotions. I struggled getting too emotionally caught up in the game to where it hurt my team, where I got yellow cards, or I got red cards, that sort of thing. But um, yeah, man, in, in preseason at Wake, it was like, I'm going I'm to compete. Every day, every practice, every drill, it didn't matter what it was, I wanted to compete and because I, I hated to lose. And so, you know, I really, I really chalk a lot of it down to that. It was just, man, I hated it and I was going to go, if we were going to play, I was going to make your job miserable. I was going to get into you. I love the physical aspect of the game. I love to get into tackles. Um, I'm rambling now, man, but. No, I mean, I think you hit it right on there. I think, um, you know, especially in the world of football, soccer, um, it's a poor man's game. You're going to get a lot of people from the slumps, especially at the highest level. If they play in South America, if they play in Europe, there's some people that were, were in an environment that was so hostile, so vicious, that they play with a certain tenacity and bite, but that's their makeup. Because it's their outlet. It's how they express it. It's how they release what society put on them. And and I and and I think, you know, that's when you look at although that's not me because I I didn't grow up in the slums, but I understand the release of that. 
No, and, and, and I think you touched on it, though. Your off-the-field stuff, it's a way when you got. And I think soccer, football was a tool for you. It was an outlet. It, it was a paintbrush to express your art on there. And when you get out there and you're hitting someone shoulder to shoulder, you're fighting with them, it's, there's, a really, there's, a, there's a passion about it, but it feels good. And I think unless you, you had difficult moments in life, you don't know the, the way certain players play. And I think that's a great way because some players that play a certain way, you have to understand who they are as an individual because they always say a way of a person's style of play expresses who they are as an individual. And I yeah. think um, there's so many, and that's why it's beautiful when you see certain ways that the people play, they come from different parts of life. And, and I think you express it right there. And I want to kind of now transition to one of the most difficult thing of, let's say, pro athletes. Your whole life, when they put you in the game as a youth, throughout, even when, you're, when you've had difficult moments, one of the things that kind of steered you in the right direction is like, I want to be the best at it. I want to be the ultimate player. If it's in the States, if it's in Europe, if it's whatever level I get at, I want to be the best. I want to compete. When you get to a t- certain point, you hit that age, you hit that part of life that you're like, I think it's time to hang it up. And when you get that feeling and you're transitioning away from pro athlete, your whole life, that's been your goal. What's next? How do you bring yourself back into bringing new goals, new grinds, new purposes? You know, how do you research yourself? How do you search for yourself and continue your life, but having that same passion? Yeah, well, most pro, most pro athletes, I think, don't retire on their own terms, and I certainly didn't. I um, so identity issues. You talk about. Um, I was. I had my best year as a pro in 2011. We had mm. just won the last cup in 2010, best year in 2011. 2012, Oscar Pereja comes in. And I'm not a starter. I'm not his guy. And I get it. Like, I was the 12th guy, 13th guy, right? I was going to play every game, going to start a handful of games. But I couldn't, I couldn't handle it, man. Like, I, 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 that was a failure to me. It was the wrong perspective because that is not a failure at all. But I, I just didn't. And so you go in the mindset of things like I believe that one of my greatest strengths as a player was my mindset, but it became my greatest weakness. Mm. I don't know when, I don't know where, but somewhere along the way, I lost belief in myself. And so when that happened, it's a transition of, okay, I'm going on the field and I'm scared to make a mistake, which when you do that, it's not good, right? Like you need to go and play in freedom because you're going to go where you focus. So if you're focused on making mistakes, you're just going to make mistakes. So I was, tr- I kept trying to get out of Colorado. Like I-, I wanted to start, I wanted to be a full-time starter. And I just felt like I was kind of wasting away a little bit there. And uh, so eventually Oscar was like, yeah, you can go, man. You got to be careful what you wish for. I was in Chicago a week before playing a reserve game. And I remember being on the, team bus for the Rapids. We just played the game. We we're about to head to the airport and head home. And I said, I looked at one of my teammates and I said, I would never want to play here. And I was traded the week, the next week to Chicago. And so that was extremely difficult just to be, 
I love Colorado. My wife was in Colorado. So I literally was traded. I was playing in a game like two days later against guys that just butted heads with the week before. And now I'm taking someone else's spot. It's a difficult transition. And so I really struggled. Um, I enjoyed the remainder of that year somewhat. And then I came back to, to Chicago and they, they put, they played me at right back. And so I started playing defense and I just struggled. I had a horrible year, man. And so I really was done. My identity was, if you have performance identity and you're not performing well, mm-hmm. it's not fun, right? And so I was just over it, man. And so I, I came back to North Carolina, I was out of contract, and I said, I'm done. And so my goal, my, my plan at the time was to become a chicken farmer in Eastern North Carolina. I had a friend, he's got a chicken farm. I was like, that sounds awesome. Let's do that. Just thank God I didn't do that, man. It would have been really tough, but... Um, I felt God kind of called me back. I was the Charlotte Eagles is a team here, and it was the last year they were kind of a Christian uh, pro sports team. And so um, I went back and I, I played for them for a year, and I fell back in love with the game. And I really started to believe in myself again, and I started to uh, to play well. And so I came back to Raleigh, which is where um, me and my wife originally kind of wanted to settle down. My wife went to college here. My sister-in-law has a business here. And so I played for the Railhawks. Well, the MLS, I've got nothing but good things to say about the MLS and how they treated me as a player if I got injured. I didn't experience that same thing at the Railhawks. Like, um, I wasn't taken care of. And so at the end of the season, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the dumb player that all I want to do is get on the field. Well, I struggled all year long with an injury. And so at the end of the year, I came to find out that I was playing with a, a, um, a hairline a fracture in my pelvis. Wow. And I would ripped my labrum. Um, I, t- um, tore my labrum off my hip and so I played the year that way and I wasn't taken care of. So I think that part for me. And so at the end of the day, I had to get a lawyer. I had to get a work workers compensation lawyer. I had to basically sue the Railhawks, Right. And say, this isn't, this isn't right. Like, so they cut me, they said like, you're going to have to try out ag- again after this. And anyway, it wasn't a good situation. Right. And so here I am like thinking like, man, all I wanted to do was play. All I wanted to do is play for you. And you treat me like this. So that kind of sucks. And so they, they've had that reputation a little bit in the past to do that. And here I am back at home. Like I want to be the hometown kid. I'm falling back in love with the game. I see myself playing for five to six more years like this. I love it, man. I just want to be here. I'm starting to have kids at this time. I want my kids to see me play. And so it was extremely difficult, man. I dealt with a lot of anxiety, had panic attack um, depression, probably looking to escape and other things. I just didn't know who I was. I didn't know who, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't soccer been my whole life, all my life. And so, you know, my, uh, the most asked question I got as a pro Sean was what we do when you're done playing. The, the, most of society knows that pro athletes don't play for a long period of time. Right. So I think the average of most players like three years or average pro, pro player in America is like three years or something like that. And so it made me think about it, right? Um, but they would always follow up with, and so they'd ask me, what do you want to do? And I would say, I don't know. But they would always follow up with, don't worry, Wells. Everyone loves to hire pro athletes. So I heard that for nine years. And so a little bit, I'm being a little bit facetious here, but my vision when I retired was uh, people will line up at my door and bid for my services. Wow. Like I want Wells for 125. Wow. No, I want him for 150. No, I want him for 175. And so my wife laughs at me when I tell the story because she says, well, so you didn't really put yourself out there. And so I would have a couple meetings with people 
Um, they say, okay, what kind of tangible skills do you have? And I'd be like, I don't have any, I play pro sports. And so it wasn't a great experience, but the, the, the point of that is like, I didn't put myself out there. I didn't reach out. And so as a pro athlete, everything comes to you. You're told where you need to be. You're told what you need to wear. You, you, you're, you're given a limited menu to eat. Um, you know, like everything's kind of planned out for you. And so I really struggled kind of with that, with, it was, it was, my expectations were, were far greater than reality. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely through the Valley, man. Like I, I've wrestled with who I am and I understand now, like I love seeing LeBron James and all these guys being like, I'm more than an athlete because I'm more than an athlete. And, uh, you know, I'm understanding that there's a big world out there outside of soccer. Did you know that? Like, and I was one of those guys in college being like, everybody telling you to study. I'm like, why? I just want to freak. I just want to play soccer. And now I'm like, Oh yeah, this is why. And so it's been cool, man. I love reading books now. Like I never read a full book till after college probably, but I love study. I love learning about business. And so, you know, I, I wish I had kind of applied that during my pro career because society looks at you a little differently, you know, pro athlete versus former pro athlete. Um, I, you know, I interviewed for our podcast, Quincy Miracle the other day. And so he's played for a lot of years, but he saw himself as an entrepreneur whose side hustle was soccer. I like that, bro. That gives me goosebumps because I didn't think about anything other than soccer. Yeah, I did think about it, but like, I didn't do anything actively to really kind of set myself up. So, um, yeah, it's a journey, man. Life's a journey. And you just, you know, I think part of what I've discovered that makes elite athletes or makes great athletes or makes guys that, that, you know, or helps guys get to that pro level is having, having a growth mindset and making the most of whatever comes their way. Right. So it's not dwelling in the past. It's, it's, um, it's, um, b believing that you can do, um, what others are telling you you can't. And it's believing no matter how many times you fall that you can get up again and still succeed. And so, you know, I'm, I'm somewhat that way. And yes, I've gone through a lot of things, but like, I don't, I didn't grow winning MLS cup, man. I really didn't. Like I grew when I was cut. I grew like when I had panic attacks, I grew when, you know, I, I fell out of favor and I was benched, you know? So there's opportunity in every obstacle. No, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful because the, the fascinating part is, it's our identity. I think as athletes, the more accomplished you become, the more cursed it is. The more um, polarizing you are, it's difficult because uh, unless, unless you are very understanding of yourself where you know that you want to walk away and not be relevant. I think a lot of the athletes that walk away and they don't hear themselves in the game still, there's a part about it because they've been working so hard competitively. They even look at it like, all that work I put, no one wants to talk about it no more. It's done like that, just like that. Oh, and I know it can come off as narcissistic or whatever, but because you are so driven to accomplish, and being a professional athlete, it is a lot of hard work, a lot of sacrifice, a lot of time where you're eliminating so many stuff. When it ends, let's say even at a young age, it's a career that you're not going to, do forever that's the difficult part is some people don't want to walk away they want to become a coach or what it is because they're still relevant on understanding the game knowing the game 
And that's the difficult part, but some can walk away and they want to go into a different part. It's just, uh, I think, Wells, who everyone is as an individual, what they want with it. Um, and I think the way you said it was so beautiful. What I want to kind of get at, because your story is so great and you've gone in so many paths with it. If a 12-year-old, let's just talk, and I'm just randomly selecting the age of a 12-year-old, um, is watching this podcast and listening to you and gets a connection with you. They're like, wow, Wells went through that pipeline. He's been benched. He rose up. He's had anxiety. I've had that. I felt that. I did that. Now he wants to say, you know what? I want to go. I want to be able to see if I can reach Wells because my question is, Wells, I want to be the best player to ever play this game. I want to be the best ever. I want to compete at that. And wants your advice with it of what's, how do they map that? Meaning, do I work hard and go to a division one college? Now that there is no ODP is not the highest. Now DA folded, the landscape of soccer has changed. Do I say it's the MLS club that I got to try to put my foot in the door with? And I'm very special. I'm a 12 year old that I'm killing every level. Or do I give the U.S. a break and I go to Europe with someone that believes in me and put that grind to the test? If I make it, I make it. If I fail, I don't. What is that route you advise for someone that loves a game, that has a lot of potential in the game at 12 years old and is looking for guidance from you because of your experiences you went through? Yeah, I don't think there's one, again, I don't think there's one tried or true way. Mm -hmm. It's, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of paths that you can take. One of the things I try to focus on when I talk to kids is, is focus on, so like our real competition is against ourselves. And so, um, are you getting better than you were yesterday? And so progress, uh, or practice makes progress, not perfection. There's only one perfect person to ever live, but practice makes progress. So are you, are you getting better? You know, I think a lot of times, so I look back on my career and if I wasn't starting or if I was playing a reserve game, I was, I was whining and complaining that I was playing in the reserve game as opposed to looking at it as an opportunity to get better. Because I think that too, if you're really focusing on getting better yourself and you're really that good and you're really that special, people will find you. And people, people will notice, they'll tell other people, they'll, they'll mention you to somebody. And so, you know, I had a guy, for example, you know, a freshman in college, he said, how do I go pro, man? And I said, why don't you just focus on your, your college season this year? Like, what if, if, are you going to be able to go pro if you don't ever play in college? Probably not. Right. Like it makes it hard. You can do it. Like you can do it, but probably not. Right. And so, um, you know, for the, t- for the 12 year old kid, I would say, just focus on getting better, focus on getting better, focus on enjoying the game, um, having fun. And, and, and cause that, that's young, man, 12 is young. And I, I know that like kids start that young and stuff, but, um, support yourself with, with surround yourself with good people that believe in you and that love you that are making good decisions. Right. Cause that's the age you're going through. You're like, Oh, should I get, should I do this or should I fit in or 
like if you know like it's it's cool to like skip the party and go practice like that's awesome man do that right um so you know again there's not one try to true way focus on 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 getting better on working hard because it doesn't success doesn't come in one day it's it's um it's doing the little things over and over and over again and one of the things that really frustrates me is we want to complicate it like what is the secret to success and we're like we know what it is it's hard work right but it's not just hard work it's it's hard work with strategies with it, it's i guess another way to put it is hard work and smart work right like it's it's uh, are you doing the the right things are you um, are you eating well? Are you sleeping well? Are you like, one of the things I'm passionate about is, are, are you doing anything to train your mind? Like tangibly, practically train, train your mind because you can do that. And so it's really funny. It's one of the four pillars of us soccer, but club clubs don't do it. Why, why is that? Right? Like I, I how often do I train my body as a pro athlete, Sean? All the time, man. You can't see here, but I'm ripped. I'm kidding. I was a joke. I am a little bit, but uh, that's not, uh, you know, my wife says I'm not funny. Anyway, you can edit that out of, or keep it in, whatever. How often did I train my mind? Man, I didn't. I went to one sports psychologist session because when I was in Colorado, the coach there got one free session for everybody. I didn't go back because I had to pay for it. You know what one thing I can most certainly tell you I'd do if I went back to be a pro? It'd be to train my mind. It'd be to it'd be to to have a sports psychologist or to it would be to search it myself, right? To 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 learn about breathing, to learn about meditation, to learn about like thoughts and butterflies. Is that normal? Is it natural? How do I get rid of them? How do I take advantage of them? Like all that stuff, right? And it's starting to become more of a common practice in in pro sports and even in the college game, maybe. But like I I, I probably. I would guess that there's still pro teams in America that don't have any sort of mental training component to it. Right. So, you know, there, it's not just about getting on the field and training your body, but it's about training your soul, your spirit, right. Are you healthy? And then training your mind, because as you probably know, and what I've experienced is that the older you get, the more life's lived between the years. You know, I'm still the same person when I lose belief in myself, but because I don't have that belief in myself, I stink. Right. So how does that belief make me such a better player? And how does being right up here make me a better player? Right. And I don't know. Example I think all the time is like Tiger Woods visualizes every shot the night before he's about to play around. And so I think about this too, Sean, when I was, I want to say around 10 years old, I don't know where I learned this. I would visualize before every single game driving to the, to the game, I would close my eyes and I would play out the game in my head. I would score goals. I'd make good passes. I'd get into challenges. And, uh, you know, like science has proven that uh, like helps, you know, like you're, you're actually re remapping your brain. Your brain has a hard time distinguishing between like imagination and truth. And so it's recognizing that I've been here before. I've scored that goal before. I've made that assist before. So, you know, for me as a pro, I thought it was like pie in the sky, poofy, poofy, like, oh yeah, hurrah, hurrah, <laughs> sort of stuff, man. But uh, it's legit. And so I would encourage that 12-year-old to like, hey man, figure out ways to get better because you might be the best person in your age right now, but the older you get, the more that margin is going to diminish. 
That's, that's fantastic. Well, I want to kind of bring you back with a fun question we'd like to conclude with our guests. Um, we want to go and kind of know you more in a, in, a, in a fun way, but all kind of your passion of in the game. So it doesn't only have to be in the world of soccer, football, because I know everybody has been touched by a different in, influential player. So we want to talk about two things, two questions, two parts. One, who is your favorite player of all time? You can have one A, one B, if, if uh, they've been influential for you. And it can be in any sport because I want to know how did that come about. And then two is your favorite team of all time. And again, it can be in any sports because I want to know based on where you grew up. Huh? It's got to be a pro team. It, it doesn't have to be a pro team. It okay. can, it's, it's your favorite team. So however, and the reason I say that is because how did it touch you and why is it your favorite? So it can be in any aspect and everybody based on their environment has been touched differently. Okay. So, so favorite player and of then all- pro team growing up. Pro, amateur, any team. Okay. Favorite team growing up. So one thing you know about me is I'm not much of a a sports watcher. Like I love playing sports, but I don't particularly care to watch them too much. But growing up, so this is, this is a Tar Heel country, man. We're basketball. Like, uh, I grew up a Carolina fan. Mm. So even though I went to Wake, Carolina didn't come knocking. I'm a diehard Wake fan now, but I grew up watching Carolina basketball and loving it. My dad went to Carolina. My brother's a diehard Carolina fan. And so I just, you know, loved watching the, the, those teams, man, Dean Smith teams are so good. And so Carolina, when I watched an old Carolina basketball game, like Vince Carter or, um, you know, Antoine Jameson, like I get those, those memories of, of like being back then. So, uh, favorite player of all time, man, is, uh, that's a good question. Um, you know, the the guy that comes to mind, his name is Jeff Lorenowitz. Mm. And so <laughs> Jeff was a uh, man. So I played in New England with Jeff for three years. We actually traded together to Colorado, played with him three years there. And then he came to Chicago with me. So I played every single year of my career with Jeff in the MLS. And uh, we weren't best friends, like, but man, the dude was a stud. He's still playing, I think. Freaking crazy. But he was, I mean, he played at Brown. He was he was like, he wasn't drafted very high. Didn't have many expectations, man. But I just, I loved the way he competed. He was tough. He was hard. Um, he, he did it with his actions, you know? And so I don't know. He, he came to mind. Steve Rostin's another one. I'm going to throw two out there for you, man. I just got off the phone with Steve Rostin, but Steve Rostin's another one. He mentored me a little bit when I was in new England. Um, just love him. Think the world of him. So, no, that's great. Love it. Love it. I, I, I thought you were going to, with the Tar Heel, I thought you were going to segue to Michael Jordan, but uh, yeah. <laughs> no, but I love the two choices you made because I think um, because they had a relationship on you, they had an impact on you. So uh, I appreciate that. Um, Wells, thank you so much. It's been an absolute player, pleasure um, being so genuine, open sharing these stories have been fantastic and i and i know i gained so much value personally from it so again thank you again for coming on what i want to do is kind of open the floor to you to close us out with anything you have going on 
um, anything you want to share and letting you conclude our show. Yeah, man. I appreciate it, Sean. I appreciate it. I want to hear more about your playing in Iran, man. Hear about more, hear more of your journey. I bet that was pretty cool and, and got some stories, man. Yeah, definitely. Things that soccer ever gave me was the people that I got to meet um, from all over the world and then being able to travel all over the world. And if I didn't have soccer, I don't know if I would have left North Carolina. And so I realized more and more that that's the greatest gift soccer ever gave me. Um, you know, I love giving out my cell phone. It's 336-575-3324. Put it in the show notes, man. Put it on the screen. Like, call me, text me. Um, you know, I believe that we don't go through things just for ourselves, but for other people. And so there's actually healing in that. And so, you know, I want to, I look for any way now that I can to share my experience or share my journey. I don't get the opportunity as much as when I was playing. Um, and another way I'm really trying to do that is I've founded a company called Soccer Resilience. And so I've teamed with a clinical psychologist for 20 years, Dr. Brad Miller. Um, he actually grew up three minutes from me. He's a little bit older than me, but played at Wake Forest as well. And so it's really a focus on mental training. And so our mission is to equip and inspire athletes to train their brain. Um, because again, we believe it's just as even more if not more important to train your brain as, as, as it is to train your body. And so we're really looking to strategically partner with youth clubs to kind of come alongside them and help them with their mental training aspect of the game. Um, so yeah, man, soccer resilience where it, you can actually find the website through my personal website, which is wellsthompsonsoccer.com. Um, but we're building that website soon, brother. Um, but yeah, Facebook, LinkedIn, I'm big, big on LinkedIn these days. So you can connect with me there, but, um, yeah, I mean this call me, text me, email me anytime. Happy to help and reach out. And that's where you can find me, brother. Fantastic. Thank you again so much. Wells. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. You rock. Thanks, Sean. My pleasure. <laughs>